everyone. I hope you are staying healthy and safe. This podcast episode comes with a video interview. If you would like to watch the video interview, you can find the links of the interview in my episode notes. You can watch it either through my YouTube page or my Facebook page called Words of Heart Podcasts. However you choose to listen to it, I truly hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Words of Heart. In today's episode, we have the privilege of speaking with Edward Payson. Thank you for joining me today, Edward. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, Edward, if you could tell my listeners a bit about yourself, your who is Edward? Just give us the inside scoop. Sure. So, uh, overall, I would say my my preliminary role is filmmaker and I say filmmaker and not just director or something like that because uh with a lot of projects I'm actually doing most of everything uh everything from planning to shooting to directing everything under the sun writing um but to give like a perspective of where I started I kind of started making my own little short films when I lived in New Hampshire uh, this was like back in um, the early 2000s, I would say right when I hit high school, I, I was freshman in high school in 2006. Uh, I'm sorry, 2001, I was a freshman in high school. I was a freshman in college in 2006. Um, but I started making these short films and um, it was just a hobby at first, but then I realized, you know, this is something I really want to do. And of course, uh, living in New England and New Hampshire, uh, there wasn't really a, an outlet for, for that kind of thing. It was always like, oh, well, that's nice, but you know, you got to think about a real future, a real job or whatever. Um, so I got kind of like baited and switched to go to a, uh, uh, just a regular college out in Massachusetts called Bridgewater State. And I went there and immediately knew it was not for me. Uh, I started their film program there and I say in quotes film program because it was literally take this $70 camera from Walmart go film stuff come back and and pay us a bunch of money there was no like professional gear there was no professional editing stations or anything like that so after two semesters there I was like I need to make a real decision with my life I need to go somewhere where film is a thing and people don't look at it as just a, a secondary hobby so I packed all my stuff without even looking at my new college. I just looked at it online. I hadn't, didn't even go visit or anything like that. And I went out to California, where I am now. And I went to a small college called Columbia College Hollywood. It was a small film school of like 330 students. So I, again, felt like I was in like elementary school. Um, just to give you an idea, the college I was going to was 30,000 students. Um, so there's a lot of days where you wouldn't even see the same person twice. Um, you know, you, you see someone once and then go weeks and weeks and not even see that person again, but now you, you pretty much knew everybody. Um, and that worked in my favor because very quickly I got involved in everybody's class projects and I was doing everything from holding the boom pole to doing sound to doing special effects. And I didn't have any background in any of this before and you know, just, just to let you know, uh, I was kind of like learning on the job and it was, um, 
that learning on the job was actually the most valuable thing I got in film school because, you know, the classes were great, but the people were better. And I, to this day, now in 2021, still work with a lot of those same people that I, you know, met in film school. Awesome. So considering um, what you do with filmmaking um, and the pandemic right now, do you feel filmmaking or producing films um, is more necessary than ever, um, considering everything is so conducive and isolated, or do you feel filmmaking has sort of took a pause considering what's happening? I think, uh, to be honest, I think the indie world thrive during the pandemic i think that the um i think that the mainstream audience did a really bad job with with or the mainstream media and the mainstream um media companies you know the water brothers the dizzies and all those they didn't do a good job of taking advantage of of projects that could be done during the pandemic they kind of just waited and waited and waited and then you know we're waiting a year before new movies come out but I've seen some of the best movies I've seen in years, uh, particularly in the horror genre this year. And um, I don't know if I mentioned that, but most of my stuff is in the horror genre. So um, I was really excited about this year. Um, but yeah, just to, I hope that answers your question. No, it answers my question. Um, you mentioned you specific are specifically in the horror genre. Um, I'm pretty curious compared to other genres in the film industry what makes horror um your go-to um for filmmaking because I'm personally not into horror (laughs) honest (laughs) so I'm really curious why choose horror specifically so horror is a really good jumping off point for new filmmakers um because you don't need any kind of you know star attached to it you don't even need a big budget no matter what horror has like a built-in audience. So a lot of directors, even like Steven Spielberg and these bigger directors, they start in the horror genre, even if they, you know, don't stay there for the rest of their career. So um, let me, one second, I'm going to let my cat who's going crazy out of the room. (laughs) Okay, this is better. Um, So I got into the horror genre because my dad like just made me like grow up on horror for the most part. Like when I was six years old, I was watching movies I shouldn't have like Night of the Living Dead and having nightmares. But it was like something where it was like it was like a taboo that I wasn't supposed to be doing. But for whatever reason, it made me like just super, super like enthralled to like be able to watch these movies. with My dad and especially like because it was like he didn't tell my, my, my mom that he was doing it. It was like, Oh, mom's in bed. Come watch this movie on this black and white TV while I work in my office. And uh, that's kind of my intro to it. And it was something that me and him connected with. Um, and I would say like, we're completely different people. Like he, he was always like um, someone who was into guns and hunting and stuff. He was from the country, but like, I was never into that kind of stuff. The only real thing we connected over was, was horror um so I attribute like most of my love of the horror genre to you know spending time with my dad oh that's really sweet um (laughs) so you mentioned your filmmaking is specifically in horror films um and I know there's many of them so I'm quite curious um what would you say is your top three favorite horror films 
top three favorite horror films. Um, most of them, I would say, are from the 70s through the 90s. Um, the first being Ned and Living Dead, the original George Romero classic. Um, I'll show you right here. Um, so he signed this poster for me. Wow. Way, way back when. Um, long story short, there was like a, um, a festival in Vegas where they thought there was going to be 20,000 people there throughout the three day festival. There ended up only being like 175 total people there. So there were more guests uh, to sign autographs than there were for actual patrons to go and get the autographs. So I was able to have a conversation with him for like over an hour without another person even coming to his booth. Um, and this was around the time of my first film that I made a, a small film called Morbid Love Story. And I told him all about it. And um, when he signed that poster, he basically said on, on the signature, like, good luck with Morbid and everything else you do, George Romero. And then a few years later, um, he actually like, lost the ability to be able to sign because he was uh his health declined so rapidly and he had since passed so this was like three years before he passed away um i got to have this conversation with him it was he was always like my favorite director and again like wow. watching night of the living dead night of the living dead was the first horror movie i ever saw with my dad so it was like it meant a lot to me um then i would say demon knight uh, Demon Knight is the Tales from the Crypt 1990s film about the people stuck in this old abandoned church or, or church, not abandoned church, but a church that is now a uh, motel, like a skeezy motel. And they get taken over by, by demons and they have to survive the night. So that was uh, another one of my favorites just because I love the way it was made. I love how they blended like humor with, uh, with the horror and Billy Zane is in it and he's amazing. <laughs> Um, next I'm going to jump to a Japanese hmm. horror film called Battle Royal. Uh, that's one of my favorite films. It's basically where a bunch of kids in high school are gassed while on a, on a, um, field trip and they wake up and they're, they have, um, things around their neck where basically, and they're told they have to kill each other over the course of 24 hours and if they don't participate, their heads are going to explode. So basically all these kids are taken to this island. And they all get different weapons and they have to kill each other, essentially. Huh. That sounds pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So um, considering how hard was when you grew up and the fact that you produce it now um, as part of your profession, um, in your professional opinion, do you think other filmmakers do a good job depicting what horror is or do you feel they um have fallen fallen a bit fallen I don't know the right specific word have sort of depicted it wrong um and haven't stayed true to the horror genre well I think that is kind of a matter of perspective because I think the the horror um demographic has definitely changed since the early 90s whereas before the main demographic for horror films were 18 to 25 year old males that was like the main demographic everyone was trying to go for they were trying to get that hard r horror movie because those were the people that were going to see it that has now shifted crazily to 13 to 21 year old females 
So now you're seeing a lot of like, you know, people weren't thinking about these, these girls who were, were really going to movies and like they love to be scared and they love to go with their boyfriends and their boyfriends like they, they hug their boyfriends and it, is, it acts like a date night type of thing. So now a lot of films are going with the PG-13 rating. They're going for a more um, female-centric, whereas the female is not always put in peril. Now the female is the hero of all these movies. You see that in like Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day 2 and a lot of the stuff that Blumhouse is doing. So um, yeah, I mean, I think with the times, horror is cool because throughout all time, uh, with all new innovations pretty much with filmmaking, horror is usually like at the forefront of that like changing how things are done like horror was what started like 3d films horror is what started um trying to do color films from black and white because they were making a horror movie and they wanted to show like blood so like i think horror is always going to be there no matter how society changes horror movies will just adapt with society interesting so um because you're in the film profession, I'm curious, um, many people, I guess, particularly in 2021, in, in the late 2000s, really, um, I mean, I was born in the 90s, so I understand 90s movies a little bit, but um, many directors or filmmakers um, specifically have gone about readapting specific movies, and... Yeah. Um, though that might be a good idea, those don't always pan out too well. So what's your thoughts on movies being readapted? Um, well, I think that's, that is, the, that is the, one of the bigger problems just with movies in general, not just the horror genre, but just movies in general is now no one is willing to adapt new ideas right everyone is looking for that built-in audience that sure thing for their money and really it doesn't even matter to them if the movie is good they're only thinking about dollar signs so if they make a new you know friday the 13th movie they know all the old fans of the friday the 13th movie are going to come see it no matter how bad it is so they know they're going to make their money back so that's kind of what we're seeing happening with like uh the Halloween franchise right now, like the last movie, like, you know, people defend it and stuff, but it wasn't very good. I'll be completely honest, but they made their money back and they'll, everyone's going to make their money back. So we're seeing a time where it's not like the eighties or nineties where people could come with these off the wall ideas. Um, and just to give you an idea. So like the other night, my wife and I were watching this super strange movie. It's called uh, dark angel. And it's literally a like Dolph Lundgren going around trying to stop drug dealers, but then all of a sudden there's also drug dealers from outer space. And it sounds so, so crazy, but it like worked and it was actually like a good movie. Like you couldn't make that movie today unless there was like a book already about it or if there was a, um, you know, a New York Times article about it or, or something like that. Like you couldn't make that today. Right. I'm really glad you touched on that because, um, I mean, my dad exposed has exposed me to a lot of movies, so I do have some um, experience with different types of movies. Not so much horror, because I'm not, I mean, and this is just my own personal opinion. I can be completely wrong. Um, I think when it comes to horror films, they depict too much of reality, and those types of scenarios are way likely to happen. Um, 
they're very realistic. So right. it's hard for me to like be open to actually watching it because I feel like that type of thing can happen in real life. Um, and this is just another opinion compared to like other TV shows, not TV shows or movies, I guess, to give, like Teen Wolf. I haven't seen the original, but I know of the actual show and uh, Twilight Supernatural, the TV show, all those other supernatural somewhat horror like elements are depicted in television i guess sometimes movies those particular um scenarios are less likely to happen because there's no such thing as vampires or i'm sure people can debate this but it's the absolute truth or werewolves or um a person breathing fire as if they're a dragon or a cannibal of some sort unlike uh, movies like Carrie and a doll coming to life. I mean, dolls now can actually talk and walk like a human being. So the whole Chucky doll wasn't that far off as far as dolls coming to life and attacking you. Um, so that's just my own personal um, opinion, I guess, as far as the whole depicting genres and the whole adaptation a bit. So, um, but Based off of what you said, as far as the adaptation, um, them they're basically ripping off the original in a way. Yeah, they're right. taking their money's worth. So definitely, definitely. Uh, and touching upon what you were saying, so I think a lot of people watch horror films because it's kind of a safe release. Like they get to feel scared, uh, but they're safe. You know, they're at home and they don't have to worry about the actual killer chasing them but they can feel like the killer is chasing them for a little while when they're engaged in the horror movie so it's just like a safe release um and helps you honestly a lot of people to deal with things that have happened in real life or might happen you know okay that's that's another way of thinking about it i presume um being scared without actually having to be scared um right one way of putting it so I am very curious because you're in the filmmaking profession and there's so many great filmmakers um who is like and I know filmmakers collaborate and produce and develop content all the time who's like your dream filmmaker to collaborate with and you can only pick one hmm I would have to say probably Robert Rodriguez um yeah just because he I always have like a, a, a deeper respect for filmmakers who do everything. Um, and he, he's literally one of them that does everything. Like he edits his own films, he shoots his own films, he directs his own films, he writes most of his films. Um, and he, he kind of made himself, you know, he never like met someone who, who gave him anything. Like basically he, he made films with what he had until he, got more stuff and then he made films with that, that more stuff until people started seeing like oh this guy can actually make films you know it wasn't a situation where his first film he had this giant budget his first film all he had was a guitar a turtle and um and a really crappy camera and he made a movie el mariachi and then that turned into a movie starring antonio banderas and then that spawned a sequel with antonio banderas and johnny depp and selma hayek and stuff so um it just he, he i feel like he's just the embodiment of like hard work eventually pays off interesting so um 
I'm gonna give you a, I guess, I guess a scenario. If you could film your life, like your life right now, what mm-hmm. would be the title? Um, weirdly enough, I'm making a movie shortly. I'm writing a script for it called Los Angeles. And it's just like all these weird things that have either happened to me or people I know in Los Angeles and weird coincidences, strange things, scary things. Um, so I would call it Los Angeles. And then if I move back to New England, I would just call it like New Hampshire or something. <laughs> so um, I do have this icebreaker question for you. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to stump you because you're really immersed in the filmmaking world. So I'm pretty sure you already understand this particular question and you're probably gonna be able to answer it and trick me in some matrix related minefield that I don't even understand, but we shall see. If you could have any superpower that's not flying or teleporting or any regular power, since I'm sure you've seen all types of movies, if you could have any power, what would it be? I think I would have the power to have the weakness of any hero, like to know their weakness and have that power. So say like, say if I was fighting Superman, it would be the power to just turn to kryptonite. Or if I was, um, if I was fighting Iron Man or something, I would have the power to like crush metal. Like whatever, whoever I was fighting, I wouldn't have their exact weakness as my power. Having superpowers, weaknesses. I don't think I've heard that answer quite yet. (laughs) (laughs) That is really different. That's the choice about this question. Many people answer it differently. So that's what makes it fun. Um, My power, it's not exactly a power yet, but I feel like it could be one in the future. Who knows? It may already be in the future. I mean, we're in 2021 already. Um, will be the power for this podcast to be heard across other galaxies that have yet to be discovered. Uh, Edward, are you still there? Oh, darn. You're frozen. Uh, Edward. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you heard that. Um, you froze. You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. My internet acting. Yeah, you, you for a little. Ah, I don't know how to fix this. Um, are you still there, Edward? I am so sorry. My internet's being cuckoo. Are you there, Edward? I'm here. I see you now. Uh, you were frozen before. I am so sorry, but um, yes, I kind of heard the last part of your answer before everything decided to go all hyper drastic um um yeah that would be the power i would have for intergalactic broadcasting for like people and martians and aliens to hear my podcast right now (laughs) it's so awesome absolutely Um, oh by the way i don't only make i don't for our films so any documentary questions uh I made three feature-length documentaries as well. Um, could you name some of them, if you don't mind? Sure, yeah. So the first one I have is called Unsigned. Um, it's about three rock bands trying to make it in Los Angeles. We follow them for the course of a year. 
uh, everything from like, it, they're all completely different. They, I say rock bands, but all the bands have different like areas in life they are, they're in. Uh, one band is like just a really like typical, like they're all very, very talented, but at the same time, they're like into drugs and the rock and roll scene. So they're kind of like self-sabotaging. Then we have another one where um, the guy had moderate success in his 20s, but then he had a family and now he's still trying to be successful, but also juggle family life at the same time. And then the other one, the last band, the lead singer is actually homeless and he's living like in a recording studio and he's booking everything from his phone. He's showering at the gym, uh, all trying to like put all his money into the music and and kind of live that way so that one's called unsigned and that's on amazon prime uh i have a documentary that i just did called our friend john and that documentary is about uh it's very very close to my life actually so i had a friend of mine named john hernandez he passed away in 2013 from sickle cell anemia related uh illness and Upon his passing, he was actually my brother's best friend. So upon his passing, my brother and all his friends who also have disabilities decided to make a short film that John was writing before he died. Um, So they weren't filmmakers or anything like that. They had no experience. So they basically had to learn how to make a film, make the film and deal with their disabilities at the same time while making the film. And we, we document that entire thing in the documentary, Our Friend John. So everything from the casting process to them actually making the film, premiering the film, everything. Wow, I truly admire you um, for showcasing that um, and t- emphasizing that. Because the fact that you're able to produce any film with your disabilities and still have it be developed is quite a remarkable feat um, for anyone who's have, who has any type of health condition whatsoever. And choose a real heart of perseverance um, in spite of your health conditions. So I truly admire you for um, helping um, your friends and showcasing that and honoring your friends' wishes as well. Thank you. And um, it's kind of sad that like, okay, so when we first talked, the movie was on Amazon Prime, but recently Amazon Prime had this thing where they basically purged all, a lot of um, indie documentaries and stuff. Even though we were sitting with like a 9.5 rating out of 10, like a really good rating, almost every rating was in the nines. Uh, and this is not just like people I know, like, of course, people I know, it's okay if they give a, you know, a nine, but these were like strangers that were seeing the movie and, and really loving it. And Amazon purged that documentary completely off their platform. That's, uh, that's insane. But I guess being in your profession, you have to be adapted to the possibility of certain platforms removing movies in order to make room for more different ones. But I'm sure that doesn't make it any less... um, easier or yeah and it's not it's it's honestly not even like our fault our fault basically what happened was um with the whole fake news and donald trump thing a lot of these documentaries came out that were like legitimate like like propaganda um Uh and 
so YouTube, YouTube had the right idea and they basically brought in curators to watch the different videos and flag what they thought was uh, inappropriate or whatever. Amazon didn't do that at all. So what Amazon did was like, we're just not going to accept any independent documentaries whatsoever. And then also started purging uh, independent documentaries, like basically like a whole, I don't know what they're doing, but they did the same thing with children's content uh, and they did it with animation. So they're not taking any animation, any children's content until further notice. There's no like, there's no like, oh, we're going to take it starting this date or anything like that. They're just all up in the air. So that's, that's just, I don't have, I have no words. That is really weird, but yeah. Um, hopefully that gets rectified and that issue gets resolved soon. Cause I mean, I have Amazon, so I would love to see that documentary you produce in honor earning your friend's wishes. And I'm sure many of my listeners would like to see it as well. So I pray that that gets resolved and we'll be able to um, witness your brilliance and any other film you produce in the future for that matter. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you can watch it now on Vimeo, but I know Vimeo is not as, um, as prevalent as Amazon prime, but we're working on, we're working with this really cool company called film hub and film hub is kind of like a um, purveyor where basically you just have to upload your film and they do all the marketing and all that kind of stuff to wherever it goes. And, a lot of friends have had success with that. A lot of fellow filmmakers. So I'm putting a few of my films there as well as some of my older films um, that kind of like they, they went through the distribution contract. And once that contract ran out, you know, they didn't have a home anymore. So I'm putting them on there just to see, you know, who wants to watch these old movies I made, you know? <laughs> awesome. Well, Edward, we can talk about the brilliance of movies all day long, but we're getting close to the end of this awesome conversation. And while my computer is still working, yay, um, I do have one final question to ask you because of your Star Wars t-shirt. Because <laughs> my listeners know yeah. I'm a huge Star Wars head. Um, which path of the Force are you on? Are you on the dark side, considering your love of horror? Or are you on the light side? I've always liked the the dark side characters better. So I love I always like the Siths. I love Darth Maul. Um, so I think I'd probably pick the side of the Siths, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I have to uh, yeah. I do have a Star Wars tidbit as well. <laughs> um, so Kelly Marie Tran, who played Rose Tico in um in not the last Jedi, but in what was the second one in the of the? Uh, so it was Force Awakens, and then it was the not, the Rise of Skywalker. Is that the film you're referring? Rise to? of Skywalker, yes. Oh no, Rise of Skywalker was so last Jedi oh, was, last. was the second one. Rise of Skywalker was the last one. Okay, so so last Jedi, she played uh, Rose Tico. You know, yeah. the, the one of the main characters. She's yeah. actually in my movie, the Cohasset Snuff film, before she got famous. And she plays this like she plays this like um mean, mean girl, like high school teenager who like is like bullying some girls and stuff. And this was like two years before she became famous because of Star Wars. Awesome. Yeah. 
that was a fun little tidbit yay <laughs> so um now we are at the end of this awesome conversation even though star wars is absolutely awesome and even though you pick the dark side we can still be friends even though i'm really strong to the light side so um do you have any um social links for my listeners um give us the inside scoop to how my listeners can get in touch with you Sure. So if you want to see our friend John and all that stuff happening with our friend John, as far as distribution, we have a Facebook page. It's just called our friend John documentary. Um, so if you look that up, we'll add you and we're always updating like where, where it's getting put on new platforms and that kind of thing. Um, I, I'm also pretty big on Instagram. So I answer anybody who messages me, I'll add you, I'll follow you. Um, it's, and anti-hero production with underscores in between both all the words. So and anti-hero production. Awesome. Thank you for joining me today, Edward. This was a really great conversation and I very much enjoyed it, um, mainly because I've been exposed to all different types of films. So I really value and admire your insight um, into all types of films in the film Um genre in general and i'm pretty sure my listeners will love this episode as well awesome thanks so much for having me awesome to all my listeners stay healthy stay safe and until next time bye hello everyone it is your heart warrior dion here i hope you enjoyed the latest episode of words of heart If you liked this episode and would like to leave a rating slash review, please do not hesitate to do so. You can leave the review slash rating on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. In addition, if you would like to let me know right away your thoughts on this episode, you are also welcome to leave a voice message right here on the Anchor app. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have a wonderful day.